0: Talk 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 talk, 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 Bernie to me. Talk Bernie to me. Hello. Hi. Welcome to another episode of Talk, talk Bernie, Bernie to Me, a podcast brought to you by Babes, Babes for, for Bernie. Bernie. I'm Katie Helper. I'm Kathleen Graves, and we have a great interview coming up with Freddie DeBoer, an academic and a writer. Who lives in Indiana and is a columnist for The Observer and writes all over for places like Jacobin, Harper's, and is a very smart guy who talks and writes a lot about rhetoric so and talk composition. So he's going to tar- talk Bernie to us about media bias.
1: Cool.
0: hi, Freddie DeBoer. It's Katie Halper hi. and Kathleen Graves. We are very excited to talk to you about kind of a general media landscape. I don't know if you've been following the story about the elections in New York, but Kathleen and I just spoke to the lawyer who filed the lawsuit against the Board of Elections. Mm-hmm. And Kathleen, do you want to explain oh, what, what we're feeling right now? Rawr! Yeah, kind of incredulous. There's a lot of things that haven't been covered by the mainstream media, and we feel like At we all. sound like conspiracy theorists, right? but it's actually true. <gasps> The attorney general is investigating this, and the city comptroller is investigating this, but, of course, that doesn't make it an independent investigation at all. You know, I didn't even prepare our guest. I feel terrible. Oh. We're talking about media bias, and now he's going to be, like, hitched to our conspiracy theory tin hat thing. So, Freddie, we can, of course, just erase this uh, this entire interview if you f- find us too crazy. All
1: right, no problem.
0: All right, good. Okay, now we've Now we got the... Uh, Go ahead. But yeah, the the purging of, of voters.
2: 120,000 in, in Brooklyn alone. I mean, when you look at the margins that Hillary won by, those numbers are pretty staggering.
0: Right. And of course, this has stopped all momentum for Bernie. And now everyone's saying it's over, including lots of my my good friends and comrades. But we want to know if you, as someone who teaches about rhetoric and composition, especially, could talk about the media Bias or alleged lack thereof.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I I think it's important to say I I, I do absolutely think that the media has been consistently, has had a consistent slant in this uh, primary. I think if you look at the early days of the primary before Bernie Sanders was considered to be a a real threat to Hillary Clinton's candidacy, he was treated positively in the sense that he was seen as a kind of harmless and crazy old uncle of the Democratic Party. On the fringe, yep. Once, yeah, on the fringe and with the sort of assumption that he was not a serious candidate, which, of course, you know, there's a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy to this right. sort of thing. Which, once the media defines, decides that somebody doesn't have a, a real shot at the nomination, that then creates that ambient sense in the public. Or that and they can't connect people,
2: with minorities. I mean, they, they they pegged that early and ran with it hard and are continuing right. to.
1: And so, you know, nobody wants to... Uh, Support a candidate they think that doesn't have the chance to win, and so very often the media does a good job of sort of filtering out potential uh, candidates before they ever even get a chance. Uh, however, Bernie, he did do very well uh, in uh, in the race, and that's when the coverage shifted once once it became apparent that he was actually a, a serious challenger for the nomination. Uh, the knives came out, and the media really has consistently treated him. The kind of hostility that it has inflicted into Hillary Clinton. Uh, I think it's important to say that this is not a conspiracy. Like it's not like various media entities are calling each other up and sort of saying, <laughs> "We got to get Bernie Sanders." Right. The way that it works is that, but you know, the establishment media is part of the establishment, and it has certain inherent biases in the way that it looks at the world, and those biases hurt a candidate like Bernie. It doesn't take a conspiracy for them to be opposed to him. The corporate media, it's part of the corporate world. It reflects the interests and the desires of the 1%. And that is precisely who the Sanders candidacy is threatening.
0: Right. So we talked about this before the the crazy, coincidentally, you know, what what was the, the, on Becoming Anti Bernie, we talked about that viral Medium article, which was coincidentally written by a lawyer who defends hedge funds. Um, Right. Which is, yeah, hopefully Bernie will be able to recover from that, yeah. that terrible uh, attack from, his, from someone who should have been his loyal base, right? Um, mm-hmm. The shocking, one-woman shocking journey, becoming anti-Bernie. <laughs> I, I've been getting a lot of pushback when I talk about this from people who say, no, Hillary is so hated, she's so reviled, she's the victim of sexism, which she, there is sexism, but the idea that nobody's hated more than Hillary, how can you even pretend that there's a bias? How, what What is your response to that? What say you, sir?
1: Well, certainly Hillary Clinton has been the victim of vicious sexism her entire uh, career. I think there's no doubt about that. And I think that uh, she certainly does suffer in that regard. In this primary, right, the discussion of sexism has in many ways helped to shield her because this primary is taking place on the left to. A debate not just within the Democratic Party, but much of the debate is happening within the left-most echelons of the Democratic Party. And luckily, and to our credit, in that forum, you know, accusations of sexism carry a lot of weight. In this primary, what's worked is a sort of preemptive accusations of sexism against Bernie Sanders and his supporters in a way that has distracted from the actual policy issues. And any time you distract from the policy issues with her and Clinton you're doing her a favor because yep. she has so much negative baggage, right? <laughs> uh, if we're if we're having a discussion about bros and sexism, then we're not discussing her support for the Iraq war. We're not discussing her support for the uh, the okay. Clinton crime bill, we're not supporting her uh, discussing her support for uh the Cohen Honduras. Reform.
0: Sorry. What did you say?
1: So, so we're not, you favorite. know, all these issues that we end up focusing on the things that uh, distract from her actual record, which which helps her because her record, I'm, I'm sorry to say, is simply not very progressive.
0: Now, when you say that, are you aware that you just came out as a misogynist? <laughs> I just, there, is, the thing, there is there you is know, no way you can criticize Hillary
2: yeah. without being a sexist. I mean, she's made that pretty clear. Yeah,
0: which is, of course, totally right. infantilizing and sexist in itself because oh, yeah. we're supposed to treat her like she's nothing but a victim.
1: I mean, one of the one of the problems with the way that the left debates among itself right now, I and mean, we see this totally with this primary, is that, you know, we want to take, obviously we want to take seriously accusations like accusations of sexism. Yes. Absolutely. But the the problem is is that a lot of people, the way that they take these things seriously is they act like you have to presume that any individual accusation is credible even when it's not. Right. That, in, that ends up being just not like, not a serious way to approach the world and not a real way to solve sexism. Right. But I mean, they're... in a situation like this, right, it means that when one person says that you're sexist for opposing Hillary Clinton, that carries weight, even if it's ridiculous on its face.
0: Right. I mean, I, I think that there are probably lots of Nazis or neo-Nazis or KKK people out there who are offended by the claim that the Holocaust happened, right? right? But we probably don't grant that a lot of... And I'm not saying... Look, I am a feminist. I feel like I, I hate that I have to make this disclaimer all the time. But I, I do. I'm a feminist. There is sexism. I think that um, the Paul Song thing, which I kind of can't get over. I'm just obsessed with it. That was a great example of how people totally... And the willing misrepresentation yeah. of facts. You, ca- you and can't look at what he wrote and what he said. I was there. And, we- and he's absolutely not talking about Hillary Clinton. He, You look at the parallel structure. He's talking about Congress, president and then Congress, then president and then Congress. It, which is why, by the way, P.S., people keep covering it and writing that he made comments about a corporate whore. He called Hillary a hip, uh, corporate democratic whore. It's whores. Plural. Plural. They leave off the S leave off the last s for <laughs> savings no they leave off the s because they know that grammatically speaking syntactically speaking you can't call one person a horse right just a little psa yeah. right. grammar. Yeah.
1: exactly that's a good example
0: um but do you ha- do you have any other examples of and again yeah it's very have to establish there is sexism and there's also that it does not mean that i need to support someone's policies and also, that doesn't mean that every time sexism is alleged, that it's there. Well, she's the
2: in this, in, in the instances now. It's the girl that cried wolf.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I hate mean, to say re- that, but we gotta. <clears> you know, <throat> we would be remiss if we didn't say that. You don't have to say that, Freddie, though, because you're a dude, so it may harm us.
1: I'm not going to say anything. Okay, On that level, <laughs> uh, just uh, I'm not alone, quietly.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no one heard that. We're cool. Um, can you think of any examples of the of kind of an apparent media bias?
1: Well, if you look at the Washington Post, um, it's one of the biggest newspapers in the the world, and they have just run an insane volume of pieces that are meant to sort of chip away at Bernie Sanders and his campaign. They're very frequently sort of pitched in this, oh, we're doing objective data journalism (laughs) kind of thing, but really when you look at them, what they are is they're designed to sort of make his worldview seem ridiculous. And this is, you know, it's sort of a stock anti-leftist, anti-socialist perspective from a paper that represents the uh, the opinions and the interests of the status quo. So a really good example is this guy, Philip Bunk, who is a, oh a writer for Washington Post, who was produced as just a torrent of anti-Bernie Sanders uh, pieces under the supposed uh, rubric of data journalism. To take a really shameless example, he recently ran a piece um, that said, uh, The headline was something like, Bernie Sanders uh, claims that the average donor to his campaign uh, pays only $27, but his own numbers contradict that, which suggests, you know, so part of the Bernie narrative is that, you know, he is, uh, which is true, is that he's being advanced by a lot of people making small donations instead of large donations from corporate interests. That headline and the, the framing of the piece is designed deliberately to make you think, that in fact what bernie says when he says that he only gets 27 dollars from his average donor that that is like wildly untrue if you actually read to the bottom of the piece and i mean like the literal bottom at something like the 12th or 14th paragraph you learn that the difference is a matter of like 87 cents
0: oh my so, god I but freddie by the time we're having this discussion it could be right. 90 cents
1: <laughs> right that's true and, I mean, it's, it's incredibly cynical because he knows that a majority of people who click on anything on the web don't read beyond much more than the, the headline in the first paragraph. Exactly. Um, and that's a, that's a perfect example, right? Framing oh. a story, which oh God, concludes so at the very bottom, technically correct information, but framing it to make it seem as though Bernie has been telling lies in a way that deliberately undermines a, a very effective political persona that he built for himself.
0: Right. Now, how, and then of course he writes this like self pitying piece about a bunch of people are mad at me or something on the internet. Well, that's
1: one, that's one of the things that happens you know, the most often in this campaign, which is that um, people in the media will do things to deliberately antagonize Bernie Sanders supporters. When those supporters get antagonized, when they react in a natural and human way to um, that antagonism, the media then turns around and says that they have a harassment problem. Yeah. So the the, web, the website five thirty eight is a perfect example of this. Five thirty eight is uh, you know, this data journalism is the it's the it, it makesover um website and their uh, writers have been incredibly hostile to very directly and explicitly hostile to Bernie Sanders and his supporters. The way that they justify this behavior is they'll run a piece or they'll say stuff on Twitter that is clearly designed to uh, mock and antagonize Sanders supporters. So, for example, one of their writers loves to call them mustachioed hipsters, which is, you know, whatever. It doesn't even mean anything.
0: That's redundant. When,
1: right. Well, and then when when people respond and say, hey, that's that's not a, a cool thing to say to people uh, about a large political movement, he then turns around and says, aha, look at how look
0: at uh, these harassing
1: Bros. and yeah. unfair the Bernie Sanders supporters are. It's a, that's been a... A tax that has been applied again and again and again in the. Oh, library. but they
2: did the same thing to Bernie actually himself when, Clinton's, quali- people were yeah about the we have some un- serious quali-
0: questions right it yeah. raises serious questions yeah. and then he right
2: and then Hillary Clinton basically inferred that Bernie was unqualified and then Bernie Suggest- she suggested so, that he was unqualified yeah. right and then Bernie came out and said well let's look at record if you right. want to talk about qualifications and then dear God right. the fury that. Right, down right. Oh my God, that was comments.
0: such a, a trap.
2: Yeah, that's, they've been baiting. Yeah, baiting, him yeah. and and, and his I support. can't believe he got it.
0: This went that far, went that long without. I mean, mm. I would have gone crazy. That's why I'm not running for president, though. It's the only reason, because people have been knocking my door. <laughs> not gonna lie. Um, what uh, Any other questions, Kathleen? That did
2: you want to say anything about the the fact oh. that they're paying?
0: Oh yeah, this correct the record story. So David Brock. Pack super PAC that is now paying people you know Kathleen and I said well they're paying people to uh, to correct misinformation and uh, the what we love about Bernie is that his Bernie bros his harassers do it for free (laughs) the other side has to pay for it I mean if that's not some DIY stuff Um, oh I know what I'm gonna say sorry really quickly the Bernie bro thing this is what it was went on my head. Isn't it also kind of the the idea that the loudest voices and the most obnoxious voices are the ones that get that rise to the top? It's like with comments. It's like with comments on an article. No one takes the time. Usually people don't take the time and be like, that was an awesome article. Thank you for writing that. Right. It's the haters. Right. Right. So isn't there some of that um, with Bernie's people? And also they're younger. They're more online. And they also don't have the mainstream media making the points for them.
1: Right. Well, it's also important to point out that let's suppose that it was actually true that there was this Bernie-Bro problem. I mean, let's suppose that I honestly felt that Bernie had an unusually high number of uh, harassing people uh, in his supporters who use social media, which I don't believe for a second. But even if that were true, you know, in a few years ago, the Census uh, Department, the United States' the census apparatus, did uh, a large survey where they looked at, uh, how often people uh, talk about politics on the Internet. And if you are the kind of political obsessors like we are, uh, it's easy to mistake and to think that everybody is always on Twitter, always on Facebook arguing about politics. In fact, this survey found that over, over 75% of respondents never talk about politics online. And only two percent talk about politics every day. Mm. So we're talking about an absolutely tiny fraction of people who are out there having these political debates.
2: It's the other one. Talking
1: about Bernie Bros, fighting with Bernie Bros. It's a very small kind of media world problem. But because the media is the media, they get to represent it as a major problem, even though it's nothing but the time.
0: Right. And and how, how much does the media affect like who how many people read the Washington Post how much does it matter? How much is, is David Brock doing something wise when he funds this super PAC, which then does correct the record, bar- barrier breakers, ne- breaking down barriers, which is basically a, a Twitter, uh, a troll, professional troll army. I mean, how much is this, does this matter at all?
1: Well, so I, to begin with, I, I would like to be on the record in saying that David Brock is a scumbag. Okay. Um,
0: we, we'll we make uh, sure that we don't, re- uh, it would be slander so- for us to remove it. Okay. Yeah.
1: Sorry. So so the, I think it's important to say that on the one hand, it's true what I said, that um, social media can be mm. that influential on politics of world, But things like cable news mm. and newspapers have a deeper impact, and they help to sort of set the agenda for the campaign. And what's happening now is you do eventually get this trickle-down effect where those stories become real stories because of how our media works. Mm. Um, and, and that's where David Brock is, that's the sort of the pools that he's swimming in as well. Um, I do think that it has a negative impact on the Sanders campaign, and I think that it's the kind of dirty tricks that um, we all need to get really savvy about in democracy really quick. Like, Even if you're a Hillary Clinton supporter, if you don't buy anything about the Bernie Sanders narrative, you should be worried about the ways that guys like David Brock the Pete Pocket, are able to manipulate our process and to manipulate our media when it suits their needs.
2: Well, to win by any means necessary, I think, is a really dangerous way to start your presidency.
0: Yeah, even though I kind of said that <laughs> this morning on the radio what? about Del- super Democrats. But that's another issue. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of scruples, though, I would say, among some of her supporters. Um, right. It's just like we if you care about democracy, you got to pretend that you care about uh, that you're disturbed by Orwellian stuff. And you probably want to pretend that you care about people's uh, voting rights being taken away.
1: I mean, this is, you know, the the disenfranchisement question. It's one of the things that drives me crazy about American liberalism. Conservatives have been able to win victories that are well out of scope with their numbers, right? So conservatives uh, have gotten more out of our political system than they ordinarily would just according to how many of them there are. The way that they've been able to do that is one of the ways is through very fierce message discipline, right? Mm -hmm. Conservatives don't sort of talk against their own interests. They will turtle up and they will defend message before they defend individual candidates. Mm. The way that liberals now are attacking concern with voter disenfranchisement, the way that they're acting like voter disenfranchisement is okay in this instance because of who we protect, is exactly what conservatives don't do. And, you know, there's going to be a time in the near future when one of these questions is going to come up where it's a conflict between Republicans and Democrats. Democrats will try to cry foul, and Republicans will say, hey, we've got you on tape. We saw what you said when Bernie Sanders supporters were disenfranchised. Uh, now we're probably going to turn your argument back against you.
0: Right. Right. So we have this thing online where people are, uh, like, this this fake argument where if you call something disenfranchisement, which is what it is literally and legally speaking, right, you are somehow mm-hmm. equating that with um, Jim Crow-era tactics, and violence, mm-hmm. and there's two problems with that. One is that it's it's the assumption that all Bernie Sanders supporters are white, which you know you have these apparently woke white people making this point, and of course they're they're marginalizing and totally ignoring this this uh, Sanders supporters of color. And then it's the idea that yeah, you, you can't call it this because you're disres- you're somehow like tarnishing the you're disrespecting the legacy of of um of the civil rights movement. Right.
1: Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, and those just aren't um, credible arguments in my opinion.
0: Right. It's kind of, it's actually really embarrassing for me to watch. Yeah.
1: And, uh, it's, it's, you know, and, and if we're playing with very, they're playing with very dangerous, um, you know, ideas. I mean, it's, we, you know, no one who is on the left in any shape or form should be questioning voting rights. Like, that should be an right. absolutely <laughs> non-negotiable part look. of our right. project.
0: right. Yeah, it's really embarrassing. Okay, well, thank you so much, Freddie, for uh, this insight into the media bias that apparently doesn't exist or only exists in Bernie's favor and against Slash Hillary. Confirming
2: what we already knew, personally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, we never do that, Kathleen. <laughs> no, Open sorry. mind. Um, and Freddie, again, Freddie DeBoer, who is a a writer, academic. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Thank
0: Bye. you. Bye. And that was our interview with Freddie DeBoer. We are Talk Bernie to Me. A podcast brought to you by Babes, Babes for, for Bernie. Bernie. I'm Katie Helper. I'm Kathleen Graves. Please follow us and subscribe to us on Stitcher and iTunes, and we will see you next time. Awesome. Talk, 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 to me. talk, talk, talk,